Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Michael Hamford from What Culture, and I'm joined by Phil Chambers from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only preview and review the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, but also Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown. See, I'm not doing the funny voices this time. Yeah, Threw me off the last time. AW <laughs> Dynamite, AW Collision. I think so. Uh, premium live events, pay-per-views. We also hold wrestler interviews, have roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a political quiz, of course, on Wrestle Culture. Phil, you were privileged. Is that the word? Enough to uh, yes. join me for previewing <laughs> last night's uh, NXT. And indeed, mm-hmm. we kind of had a, a collected catch-up on NXT brackets general. Uh, overall thoughts on your experience of living through some of the things we talked about? I am disappointed. Ah, Because yeah. I was expecting some kind of wacky ball stuff going yeah. on with all the crazy characters of NXT land that you've been talking about for months and months and I months. Know, and won't yeah. shut up about in the office. <laughs> And there was naff all of it. it I, that was what I was dreading, truthfully. It won't shock <laughs> listeners to know we haven't discussed the show over the desks this morning. Um, yeah, this was. we have these weeks, right, sometimes. You've been a little bit unfortunate here. So this was, for a start, this was wrestling heavy. Yeah. But don't confuse that with good wrestling heavy. Yeah. Because there was a couple of, like, half-decent matches, but very little that broke that you'll remember it at the end of the week scale yeah, yeah. that we talk about quite a lot. Um I wouldn't say this was completely barren in terms of the wacky characters. And there was a couple of moments I'm looking forward to getting into with you to get yeah, your thoughts on. Yeah, a little on. bit. Um, but yeah, this was. This is the thing, right? NXT, as this very gentle growth product it's become, has these weeks where it shows you how that's happened. Yeah. Heatwave is a fairly solid-looking card yeah. that has been fairly well built to. It shouldn't be, considering <laughs> some of the wrestlers and some of the stories they try and tell. But across this two hours, they lined up this card quite nicely. Yep. The stuff that was already built, they just like put a bit of a cherry on top, and they found a couple of extra things to spice it up. Yeah. And the Heatwave card next week looks pretty great. Yeah. Like, and that's the whole thing with it being like a go-home show, yeah. as they say, is that everything is already set. The stories have already been told. This mm. is just the little bit to give you a push towards the actual event itself. And they always end up where like the best bits of any wrestling storyline isn't the week before the pay-per-view ever, really, is it? Not anymore. It, like, I think we were probably... 
like less so in the uh, like early nineties when so much TV was already taped. Yeah, but especially when we got into the live Raws and Smackdowns every week, where they wanted you to feel like the wrestlers themselves were going to be sprinting to the building where the pay per view was being held. Because <laughs> oh my god, we've <clears throat> run out of time. We're off the air. Yeah, like that sort of thing. It's we've moved away from that a bit. I think. Yeah. Um, and I, sometimes that's for the better, but I'm not sure that it was here. I think I'm, I could have done with a little bit more, yeah, a little yeah, bit more yeah, chaos. Me too. Um, but having said all that, we're going in hot here because we, we started with the tag team title match. The champions, uh, Tony D'Angelo and our learned colleague and friend Stacks, who of course, due to his championship commitments, will be off the podcast for approximately a month or so, um, just while he gets used to life. Yeah, yeah, life as a champion. Yeah, once it settles back down, I'm sure he'll be back with us. Uh, they were taking on the uh, Yayad representing Yizim, which of course are made up of Mick Jagger and Robbie Fowler. Mm-hmm. I refuse to acknowledge their real names <laughs> until they're returned to being the Grizzled Young Vets. And uh, like, genuinely, look, we kind of use phrases like, eh, not a bad bit of business and things like that to describe yeah. those matches that maybe surprise you in them being competent, I would say, rather than <laughs> truly great. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. fair to say, isn't it? But I will say... All biases aside, because we love him here, like, Stax had a pretty great night, yep. I thought, here. Um, they were doing Tony D and Stax's general tag team deal, is that Tony's the muscle and is there for the hot tag, whereas Stax is in there to take the brunt of the beat down, but also offers the flashiest offense. So, like, in, for example, in this match, you had the um, Stax has that really cool dive, but he now does it off a Tony D arm drag. Yeah. So he springboards himself all the way off an arm drag, and the, the implication is Tony D's extra power is what gives him the propulsion. Yeah. It's, dare I say it, it's got like a heart foundation quality to it. It does like, look Tony good. Tony D is kind of the Jim Neidhart to Stax's yeah. Brett. I did it. I got Stax. You got there. I, I made you it got carried st- away already. Stax is five Bret Hart. minutes. You work, you work with a guy and suddenly you <laughs> think of him as much as you do your all-time hero. It happened. Like um, Stax, like just talking about just general arm drags as well. Like Stax has got a really bloody good arm drag. Yeah. Like the height that he goes up for it and then the kind of whip that he comes back down. It's He's really, super really slick. Good. Genuinely, yeah. like it's we don't just say these things because he's a close personal friend, um, but yeah. So we've uh, it's it's very like WWE tag team back and forth. I've not got Wilborn's flair when it comes yeah. to the recaps here, but um, what they tried to do here was have the uh, yeah yeah turn it on uh, the tag team champions by having I think. Was it Robbie Fowler threw Jagger Reed into Stax, which sent Stax careering into the ringside table, and that yeah. put him in trouble for the second half of the match when we came back from the break because Stax had clattered into the table face first. Quite an impressive spot. Um, there was a point at which uh, there was some, uh, I think the, the dyad were um, both working on Tony D'Angelo, which meant that then um, when Stax went to get a small package, there was your visual pinfall, but the referee yeah. was distracted. And that's always thrown in there to make you think, ah, the refs missed a pinfall. Could there be a title change coming? I didn't really buy it, but I thought, yeah. fair enough, they've tried to put it in there. Um, and then, so as we get to the sort of the last stage of the match, Ivy Nile, obviously formerly of the Diamond Mine, which no longer exists because, as you know, Phil, the Creed brothers are gone forever. <laughs> the Creed brothers have lost and are never coming back. Definitely. Course, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, aye. What you definitely <laughs> didn't see was the Creed brothers doing a double team in this. You definitely did not see that. And why Ivy Nile is there is to distract the horde of... Uh, Jism followers, yeah, in the yellow masks to is all... Is there a law behind the yellow masks, by the way, or is that just... just a... hang out quite a lot and nobody oh, yeah. does anything about it. Like, as you can see, <laughs> they're completely ineffective. Yeah. So maybe that's why the ref's like, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, like, they're, yeah, they're not going to do any damage. But yeah, yeah they're theoretically the Jism's the followers who aren't Ava and Joe Gacy. You with it? Yeah? Yeah. Making total sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the... Like there's 10 of them, and they all think all 10 of us are needed for this stopping Ivy Nile job, definitely. 100%, yeah. And then there were two more in the crowd. Tough cookie. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> there were two more in the crowd that we never saw, Phil. 
that like looked suspiciously uh, <laughs> like the Creed brothers and did their moves. Um, and they were laid out. Um, I think it was um, Jaggery. They nail out. Was it? Was it Robbie Fowler? Um, Rip Fowler. You know, can't remember. You know. But anyway, they attack. They strike on the floor. Um, they, I think it was uh, Robbie Fowler actually because they roll um, Robbie Fowler back into the ring and Tony D's there um, with his. I forget what the uh, the funny bada bing bada boom. I think it is. But they knew, it's like that belly to back thing that he yeah. does. And they get the win. They retain the titles. Um, and you know the twenty. And members are just left to like to make, oh, suck their thumbs at their massive failing. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. Thoughts on this? The, the aesthetic and the match combined. <laughs> uh, so, like you say, the match was really good. I mean, the uh, the grizzled young veterans are just <laughs> they're just good, aren't mm. they? Like they they get it. They're a well oiled tag team, mm. uh, and everything they do just looks smooth and it just works. Um, so they're just great. Uh, I will say the. I assume Creed person. I mean, I wouldn't like to assume anything. It, no. could, it could be anyone. We didn't yeah. see their faces, but whoever did that little cartwheel move, I really, really like. Yeah. They're like on the shoulders. Like normally you do it with the front flip thing, but oh, with the cartwheel, it just looks really, really good. I really enjoyed that. And I've not really seen that before. They're a call up waiting to happen, those yeah. two. Right. It's um, be a lot of fun. The, I mean, yeah, the, this was my pretty much first introduction to all the yellow face guys and things. <laughs> seem kind of pointless. If you're going to have a bunch of minions, you kind of want them to do something. It feels very dare I say, Dark Order-ish, when they just add loads of the masked people right at the very beginning. Creepers. The very bad version yeah. of, the, of the Dark Order. <laughs> it uh, feels a lot like that. The biggest thing that annoyed me about all of this, I wrote some notes down as I was watching. Amazing. And this is this. a really stupid, nerdy, like, production thing. Oh, great. No, no. I just hate. Uh, the the Diad uh, on their entrance, it's got the bloody heartbeat, but the bloody heart on the video package screen behind them doesn't go in time to the heartbeat in the music. Oh, it's I've never noticed the that. Smallest little thing, but it like goes boom, 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 boom. But the like the actual heart visual beats at like an off beat, and it just it really really annoyed me. God, the, it's like such a stupid easy thing to fix, and it's just pathetic. Honestly, God right. damn it, WWE, <laughs> Phil, like Jesus Christ. Sometimes, like we'll say that the show gives you whiplash because every now and then you'll have a like a really great match, and then you're required to suddenly apply the same analytical thought to some preposterous segment where, yeah. I don't know, some people have their shoes stolen at the beach. That actually happened once. <laughs> That's what the show asks of you. This, for our listeners today, has gone from the absolute bollocks that the three of us spout to you discussing actual <laughs> genuine foibles with WWE's production at a really granular level. <laughs> really, like, really granular. Like, Will Bourne, when he comes back, and for that matter, Stax, when he's able to join us back in the podcast, yeah. are going to be wanting words with you, because they're like, what the bloody hell have you done to our audience? Like, are you trying to enrich these people? <laughs> uh, Great spot. Uh, that is just me, though. I am a production nerd when it comes to stuff. I love that. it. Um, so, yeah, that really annoyed me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I quite, in, quite enjoyed it. As a, I think it's the first Tony D match I've ever actually seen. Uh, and one of the better exhibitions, yeah, if I'm being so honest. Yeah, all right. Uh, I do think we should probably um, get some velour tracksuits with the What Culture logo on. I think oh my god! Is there? That's uh, we can we can say that out loud, can't we? It's like long, long, long way down the line. We might be looking at What Culture merch. If I don't, oh, get, yeah, yeah, if I don't give a de- if I don't give a deadline, then that's fine. We can't yeah, get in trouble. Yeah, but like we're, we're way, way, way into the future. We're trying. Yeah, they'll be cool. Last What Culture merch. Oh, so yeah, velour tracksuits. Velour tracksuits. Get them on the list. Hundred percent. Let's oh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Thorpe, another vignette about like how he's uh, obviously uses his own personal background to drive his fighting spirit, and it's all very—it's like they're quite well made these things. And um, not for the first time tonight, a teaser trailer wouldn't just be tuning next week; it would be mm, tuning later on. Right. More on Eddie Thorpe in a bit. Um, how do you build your your fighting spirit? What do you do? What's my fighting spirit? I think it's if anybody like tries to get in the way of me and crisps. Like yeah. I like if 
mine wouldn't be set sort of in these gorgeous, picturesque mountains. It would be just on in a like, walker's factory. Yeah, or outside a <laughs> newsagent's was what I was going to say. <laughs> like, you, you just imagine this ch- there's like one pack of beef space raiders left. And oh, like, I, had a, I had a pack of pickled onion space raiders just this morning. Did you? Yeah. Uh, like, it's, I, just, I can't get involved with pickled onion. But like, <laughs> but like, let's say there's one pack left on the shelf. And then like, it, you've gone to the shop at the time when, say, for example, like a local school has kicked out. And it's like, am I going to have to push over a kid here? <laughs> and like, it's one of them shops where the little sign outside says like five school kids only. And the first four have gone in and they've not gone for the beef space raiders, but there's one guy left and it's the smallest of the group. And it's like, I'm going to have to push him over here. Fair. Like they're 20 pence. Yeah, I don't, don't mind. What's your, what drives your fighting spirit, Phil? Um, I mean, probably just children in general doing anything, being happy. It's just annoying. I get that. As, yeah. a, as a parent, I do get that. <laughs> it's just summer holidays. You've spoke right to my heart. There. Exactly, yeah. I was just walking through bloody gates and everywhere. <laughs> like, God, go home. Bloody hell. Oh, God, you made such good choices. <laughs> um, who else has made good choices? Carmelo Hayes. He's um, glad to take on this. We'll talk about the stacks. The responsibility mm. of being a champion. He's uh, signing stacks and stacks of pictures, obviously. And Wesley strolls into this signing, which I must say, it does look suspiciously like it's taking place in the backstage interview area. So I'm not sure how many kids. Yes, are... I think you're, you're stretching there. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a, a definitely a, a well established meet and greet. Yeah, like it was probably a local comic book yeah, store. Yeah, definitely. It just happens to have walls like the performance center. Yeah, yeah. it was very close to the arena. Yeah, that'll be it. that'll be it. Pardon my cynicism. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's all to build to the match between Wesley and Dijak for the number one contendership. Um, there's a, a little bit of needle um, because he's like, "Wait, you can just sign the contract against me right now." And He's like, you've got to go and beat him first. He's like, kind of like trying to show that he's not worried about or troubled about either man's going to win. And yeah. we'll go back to Carmelo Hayes signing later on. And indeed the match. Is Carmelo um, Hayes heel or face? Hmm. I could not figure it out. He's ostensibly a baby face. Okay. Uh, he won the title, right? He, he defeated Bron Breaker when the fans had turned on Bron. Okay. And he'd also used help from Trick Williams, who, as you could see here, was like later on in the show, was decidedly a baby face. Mm-hmm. Like, re- like... Cool as out, but not in a way that like is off-putting. He's just yeah. simply too fun to be booed. So he becomes this babyface character who has helped Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes, though, is him, capital H. Like it's all very it's like ostensibly quite obnoxious, but yeah. it's more just that whole philosophy of what's that dreadful kid rock lyric that they always like? It isn't cocky if you back it up. Yeah. That's theoretically the the vibe with Carmelo Hayes. I see. The thing nobody really wants to talk about is some of his matches are a bit dull. So when it's a bit boring, you're less inclined to think he is him, capital H, and yeah. you're like, he's he's just him, lowercase H. So it's all a bit... That's, like, I like that you've asked the question. Yeah. Because it, I can't give you a straight answer with, with bullet points of, here's exactly why Phil, by the letter of the law, he's a babyface. Yeah. Because it was like, in the bits where he was doing the signings, like he was acting a little bit dickishly towards the fans that you were yeah. signing to uh-huh. <laughs> and i was like is that just like a cockiness or like is that a healness but then like later on in the promo that we'll get to later he felt a bit more like a face-ish because he was contrasting was... dijak who's yeah. his heel yeah so it's uh, yeah i just i could not figure it out no it's and again like it's wb's it's partly their like company value systems isn't it they yeah. don't necessarily apply good traits to faces because they don't know what good traits are <laughs> so i think sometimes it's just like be a be a cool baby face got you no more arrogant well what that made me i said more arrogant <laughs> like it's yeah. aye, it's all a bit warped um 
But yeah, we'll go back to them later on because we go to another backstage area of the building. I mean, a different building, the performance <laughs> Very center. Different building. It's a. Uh, this was your first look, perhaps, at uh, Chase U and the I've ongoing seen, I've seen clips. Well, like like we said on the preview podcast, I sit next to Wilborn, so I have seen clips. <laughs> but you'll be able to tell that all is not well in the halls of Chase U right yes, now. Um, but this it. was funny stuff. Uh, Andre Chase and Duke Hudson are talking about uh, how to get Thea Hill back on track after what um, Andre Chase referred to as Talgate. Are you familiar with what Talgate I was? I not, no. So Thea Hill um, lost a submission match to Tiffany Stratton. Um, after she tapped her out in the build. So the submission match was weighted in favour of Thea Hill winning the title. Yeah. She was this awesome scrappy dude. Chase you everything is brilliant. She's loved being a student. She's going to win the title. She was going to be the youngest. She was the youngest female number one contender ever. I think she's like just turned 18 or something like that. Um, so like all this life and vim and vigour. And she was trapped in a... Um, horrifically executed Boston Crab by Tiffany Stratton for so long <laughs> that... Um, Andre Chase threw in the towel. Okay. He appeared devastated to do it, but ever since then, all of the enthusiasm has drained out of Thea Hill. The scrappy do is gone, kind of been replaced by just a miserable, no longer wants to be there, gr- grumpy guts. Yeah. Um, which is why he's, Andre Chase has said to Duke Hudson that what he's going to do is uh, get her a match tonight against JC Jane. She's going to win, she's going to get back on track, and the match is going to help her work through her emotions. Duke Hudson loves it. Great idea, uh, Professor Chase, that's going to be everything she needs. Fantastic. Thea Hill walks in, gets told about this, and it's pretty raging. Uh, she's, you know, Andre Chase, oh, you just, you know what I need, do you? Like, she's not offended about having to wrestle JC Jane so much as she is offended that Andre Chase, a guy that she can no longer trust, is, you know, like, taking action that matters into his own hands. Yeah. Duke Hudson agrees with Thea Hill and uh, sort of suggests, yeah, yeah actually, oh, actually, Mr. Chase, yeah, what are you doing? So he's now playing... Both sides to his advantage. She storms off. He says, don't worry. I'll go talk to her. Uh, because Andre Chase drops an enormous F-bomb as he does. Yep. Like, what the? was that? <laughs> um, so this is very much uh, back to where we were at a few months back, where it's quite hard to work out exactly where Duke Hudson's loyalties lie. They have teamed up sometimes, and the guy's got one of the best fired-up babyface hot tags in all of wrestling. <laughs> so we were kind of thinking, you can see it's going to be a heel turn, don't turn him because this sort of rules, actually. <laughs> but this does seem like they're going back to that of him. Yeah. He's going to try and play both sides and drive the wedge and maybe maybe Hudson University will be a thing when all is said and done. What's uh, Chase's qualifications, by the way? Why does he get his own university? Like, I can see why Terry Funk would, and yeah. not just because it's a great pun, yeah. but because, you know, he's got the chops to back it up. But <laughs> what's Chase ever done? Uh, Andre, Ch- other than as a shoot, being like like a long-standing like, Ring of Honor guy from like the early 2010s and stuff. Yeah. Andre Chase, a character, Phil, seeing as you're asking, <laughs> uh, came on NXT one day and said he was a professor and had students. Oh, okay. So like Matt Stryker. Uh, no, don't ever <laughs> make, don't, no, you don't get it. Phil. Don't ever make that comparison again. No, right. Let me, let me blow this up a little bit. In NXT, there are, of course, wrestlers. But as you've seen through these mafiosos and cult members, there's always something else going on. Yeah. Wrestling is almost the frustrating Tuesday distraction <laughs> in their life. Um, and in Andre Chase's case, he's a professor. But he's a professor of how to make it in WWE. So classes okay. are things like, like back last year, it was Halloween Havoc studies. Like, and pop quiz, hot shot. What did the Giant and Hulk Hogan fight in, in Halloween Havoc 95? And the answer was monster trucks. and that. Like, So he's kind of a wrestling historian, but he also wrestles, okay. as do his students. 
and it, he's got a suspiciously low number of students. <laughs> There's maybe 12. And I don't know how that can fund an entire university. And we've never <laughs> learned about the other classes. So we don't know what other courses you can do at JJ. We've only seen into the wrestling. And, like, it's a, a camera that's never mentioned. So I don't know why there's a class. Like, <laughs> I hope he's been CRB checked or whatever the new version of that is. You'd like to think so. Has that sufficiently answered your question? I suppose, yeah. Thank I'll, you. I'll take that. Thanks. Good, because good, I've got now else for you. <laughs> Uh, to the ring we go, where I was excited for this because oh, I feel like it paid off everything I described to you yesterday. Yes. We had Blair Davenport in action versus a super serious Dana Brooke. Yeah, She's I like the- that her like serious character is the same Dana Brooke, but just doing her poses a bit slower. Slower <laughs> and like screaming in anger at the slightest <laughs> yeah. infraction. Like, does like, I don't know, like an arm drag takedown, two count. <laughs> what referee? Why? Like the like, problem with Dana Brooke is that she's been the same character forever and it's never worked. So let's just be that character, but slower and <laughs> angrier. <laughs> it was just like, you got what they were going for. Like very on the nose. I was going to say WWE, but realistically it's like Shawn Michaels, NXT. <laughs> I'm going to break Phil's favorite wrestler, Johnny Gargano. It's like <laughs> production. Um, Blair Davenport's at various point got things in hand, but then Dana Brooke would like try and take advantage and she would do it with a bit of a scowl on her face and she was trying to show Kalani Jordan that it's time to get goddamn serious, Kalani. Um, so much so that when Blair Davenport was kicking her ass, Dana Brooke went to get the ring bell. Yeah. And Kalani's like, you're going to get disqualified, <laughs> Dana. He's oh, trying to take the bell off her, uh, the bell off her um, and stop her getting DQ'd. Dana Brooke's like, no, like, I, I'm, I need to do this. They're having this little stupid Shakespeare play on the floor. <laughs> Eventually, she doesn't go back in with the bell. Uh, instead, she tries something almost as devastating, a roll-up, but it only gets two. And then Blair Davenport hits her with a Kamagoye twice, basically, which is like, Bye-bye. Good, good night. <laughs> She's done. She's doomed. And uh, Blair Davenport leaves with a smirk on her face. You see Dana Brooke in the ring, like looking mad at what's occurred to her. And again, yeah. kind of giving the stink eye to Kalani Jordan over the, over the bell stuff. Yeah. And it was like all of this was like done and dusted. The whole deal so in like quick. under five minutes. So entrance quick. to entrance to the fading out was under five minutes, and we're supposed yeah. to see this as the great decaying of Dana Brooke. I did enjoy that it was exactly what you were saying on the preview podcast that it would be. <laughs> this exactly plot by plot point by plot point. She loses, and then off she goes. Ooh, she's bad now. You can't buy it, can you? Uh, no, not not even a little bit. No. Uh, one thing I will say about this is I'm really glad that B Priestley uh, Blair Davenport. Yeah, that's going to be one I cannot get into my head. <laughs> uh, but B hasn't lost her mean streak. No, some of her hits like holy balls, snug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was in WCPW, and holy hell, she still is now. Like I guess Stardom may have, if anything, enforced that in her. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think like it, well, she did it in WCPW, but mm. mainly because. She was young and it looked better. She was actually hitting people, I think. But yeah, maybe stardom and solidified that in her arsenal. And now she just likes to kick people. It's so like... I like it. I, I think I'm starting to like Blair Davenport. <laughs> it's so weird, though, because like... So Blair Davenport lost um, to Roxanne Perez. And this whole program has kind of existed just to reheat her. So she's had two wins now, Kalani Jordan and Dana Brooke. She's beaten them both. And it's obviously their story, not hers. But she's just yeah. been the one that's been able to... In their minds, she's been the beneficiary of it. But I think the problem is you can never do those two things at once. Blair Davenport has looked like an ass kicker here yeah. and can go on and do whatever she wants as this renewed, revived ass kicker. But you can't get, you don't really get sympathy on anyone. You don't get sympathy on Kalani Jordan, the newcomer that's come up short. Yeah. Dana Brooke is obviously a heel. So when she's getting her ass handed to her by another heel, yeah. 
like it just one feels like it's cancelling the other out. Yeah. You know, if it was a like a baby face, like a real like Roxanne Perez is a better example. If she's wrestling Dana Brooke and Dana Brooke wants to smash Roxanne Perez in the face with a belt, then that's like, how are you, Dana? Yeah. Like you've just been out wrestled. Maybe just try something else. <laughs> but the logic of her wanting to smash Blair Davenport in the face with a belt is like, ooh, bit of spice. Yeah. So then you're being deprived of that. And it's just it feels like nobody gets more over while WWE are trying to do three or four things at once. It's, yeah. It's inelegant dressed as uh, dovetailing Ooh, spiderweb booking. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like she's the, the, the match isn't informing the character because the character's already technically changed. She's already that character in the, like, the entrances. Yeah. There's nothing in the match that has changed her into that character. It's not like her getting beaten up has made her more angry to go do the thing. She was already angry. So mm. there's, no, there's no, none of the plot points that are supposedly there are actually informing anything. They're just happening. No, do you know what it is? It's like one of them, um, you know, those old memes that you would get where, like, there was a big block of text, but all the words were misspelled apart from the first and last letter. And it was like, look yeah. how the brain works. You can actually read all these <laughs> words, even though the letters are jumbled. Yeah. WB are asking you to say, right, you know what this is. Like, you can, you get what this relationship is. Yeah. You get who she is. You get what they're doing. Let's just get there. Oh, I just throw it in the big stew pot and we'll see what it looks like. But you get the gist. Yeah. Like, it's like, all you right. Understand. Yeah, all right, WB, fine. Yeah, it's like, all right. Um, we, to the Carmelo Hayes point that you were making earlier on, we go back to the signing where he is kind of being a bit pissy, but then mm-hmm. Dijak rocks up and he's like, uh, yeah, maybe uh, save one for you uh, with the belt because you're not going to have it when I win the belt at Heatwave. And then Melo's very much like, all right, Dijak, like, why don't you see how you get on against Wesley first? And again, this time, as you say, presented way more as a baby face, but he'd have to be, wouldn't he? Because yeah. Dijak's this obvious cartoon villain. Yeah. So anyway, yes, yeah, so that's all to set up later on. We go next to... Um, Trick Williams and Drew Gulak. Um, we saw beforehand Damon Kemp sidling up to Charlie Dempsey uh, and Drew Gulak. He wants to like be part of their crew now, so he comes out with them. Um, this, in spite of that, despite them obviously trying to like get going again as a new stable now that they've been separated from Chase U, this was a Trick Williams showcase. Um, Gulak is like he's just working the leg really like but he's a submission specialist so you can kind of yeah. allow for it um and every now and then the story is that trip williams has just got something a bit too spectacular in his back pocket there's one point where he does this cool like pop-up uppercut from nothing and it sends gulak flying to the floor yeah. um they get back into the ring where gulak's like wearing him down with like a vice hold he's got the leg wrapped up and stuff but again trick's able to fire back he's got the strength the youth all this kind of thing he's got the fire he nails um gulak with a rock bottom he tries to subdue uh Charlie Dempsey and Damon Kemper on the floor, um, but it looks like the numbers game might overwhelm him. So um, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, I'll fill you in a second, uh, come out and even the sides, which allows Trick Williams, obviously, all the free knees to nail that cool spinning kick, which beats Drew Gulak. He's got his big win, and he stares down the lens, and he's basically saying, I know everybody thinks you're going to kill me, Ilya Dragunov. Maybe you will kill me, but like you're going to have to try as hard as you ever have. I'm going to bring all the fight to you. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not scared of Ilya Dragunov, basically, and here's why I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, they they may this? call you the Mad Dragon, but I'm going to be dragging that ass. You kind of, like, that's as WWE scripting as it gets. It's like, I'll give you that one, Trip. I'll give you that. Uh, what did you make of... Was this your first proper look at Trick Williams? It was, yeah. Yeah, what did you make uh, of it? I think so. Um, I think he looks good. Mm. Uh, it... it like what it's was an incredibly like watered down version of what you pitched on the preview podcast of like the stepping stone to get yet to Elia where you have to go through this guy who's gonna like twist you and like, yeah, made a pretty easy job of it didn't yeah, it? Yeah, you made yeah. a really easy job of it. It was all done and dusted in like five minutes. Or yeah, something. it's like it 
could have been a lot more. Like mm. there could have been, even if it was like five more minutes on the match or something, or Drew Gulak got more offense in. Like it got away with a few cuts and bruises offense, or something. Offense, yeah. yeah. It was kind of 50-50 throughout. It didn't feel like he was that hard. It didn't feel like it was like a, a trial that he had to get through yeah. in order to get to what will be the even bigger trial of Dragunov next week. And it feels like there could have been a lot more story going that would have helped trick Williams get over by beating someone who was an actual threat. The whole, the old, like, oh, if you beat a nobody, you like, you're still a nobody. Yeah, thing. I, I not think that Drew's a nobody, but you know what I mean. It could have been a lot more. Certainly, how it's it's obviously we say this before, don't we? But like, the only way that you're going to get people over when you're sending them up against wrestlers is you've got to put you've got to get them over in the first place. Yeah. So the challenge they've got, like, there's no triumph in like climbing a flat mountain. Yeah. You've actually got to put the work in and like, yeah, actually scale it. There was a, and like, just to sort of emphasize that point, there was a video later on in the show. It wasn't like right afterwards, but it was basically just a response video from Ilya Dragunov saying, yeah. like, you're good. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and like, you kind of, that, that can only occur if he's not in any way scared off by Trick Williams. So, in one sense, you do want Trick to sort of just be ambling by. Because if he's suddenly this, I'm a killer, I'm on Dragon's level, then Dragunov is arrogant and not really doing his homework to, like brush him aside. So maybe that was t- thinking about the Dragonoff video and thinking about this story of nobody believes you can do this. Yeah, he's going to really, really hurt you. Like whatever pain you think you can endure, this is Ilya Dragonoff. The man loves pain. Like the man, like the only way you'll beat him is if he's busy beating off because he loves getting hurt so much yeah. that he's distracted, jacking it, and you might be able to get a sneaky roll up while he <laughs> tra- chunks it down by his ankles. Like it's it's a bit like I want to watch this. It's it's a very very weird like styles clash, not in terms of in ring, but in terms of the characters. Yeah, and I think I love the idea of it being a proving ground. Trick Williams will lose. Yeah, but like the respect he can garner if he just absorbs the beating, I think is like a really awesome character development for him. Yeah, but I would agree with you. This didn't exactly fire you up for it. Like you don't, you're not like contractually obligated to watch the show next week. No. So did this like no, this make you more not, interested in it? Yeah. Did not at all sell the match next week. Yeah. Me. Even even a little bit. Like, yeah. It, I was just going to use the same like term of like having it as like a proving ground kind of match where it is you're going into something that you know you have a very good chance of losing, but you're going to give it your the old yeah. college try. Uh, and it's the more like being able to stand toe to toe with that kind of a guy and like put it to him rather than like it's not necessarily the beating him that matters. It's the like being able to hang yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And again, like you need escalation in that. Like yeah. You need something to make the guy go, oh, this could be difficult, like, because I've got, I've got through this, and he was difficult enough, but then they've got to go to mm. this next guy, and there's just none of that. It's a bit of a shame. I like the mix of styles, though, between them, like the flashy kind of Trick Williams versus the down-and-out kind of technician baller uh, Dragunov. Yeah. I think is an interesting mix and could end up being a really good match, but it didn't sell it to me. The, um, the like, the handshake next week, they're, yeah. they're really chasing the emotional gravitas of that, yeah. and when, like, Elia offers his hand and says, I respect you. Yeah. You, you gave me a good fight, sort of thing. Uh, Ah, right, a quick video package here for Dabakato. <laughs> it, uh, it was coming soon to NXT, and uh, sooner than we thought it turned <laughs> out. Um, right, but he, you know, he went to the trouble of uh, getting Kyle O'Reilly to make him a video all the same. Um, right, I'm excited for this. Hello. Here's uh, Baron Corbin. Um, he basically says, oh, like, I can do what I like. I can say whatever I want on this microphone because there's absolutely no repercussions. Um, look at that Olympian that I ran out of NXT. 
oh my God, of WWE cut bait on Gable Stevenson. That's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> like, I don't know if you watched that complete disaster him and Corbin had no. at the last NXT PLE, but it was an, a nightmarish scene. Didn't even have a clean finish. Didn't even have a, a finish. Yeah. Stevenson looked as rabbit in the headlights as he's ever looked, really, <laughs> since Excellent. he's been in WWE. I think that could be it. I think that's what this was telling us. And, and it I was the build. Corbin as well. He's a pretty safe hand, really. Uh, exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Um, Corbin agrees with that notion because he called the locker room a bunch of bitches. Phil, uh, soft ones at that. Um, and he was saying he was going to introduce a new era around here. Like, doesn't need to be uh, like any of the old Corbins that he knew. He can just be himself because um, the locker room's so useless. But he is interrupted by Von Wagner and Mr. Stone. Uh, Robert Carly's love child. Oh, my God. <laughs> Robert Stone is less than impressed with uh, Corbin. Um, but Corbin equally is fairly unimpressed with Mr. Stone. Mocks how he dresses. Um and then he kind of talks about, uh, Mr. Stone, should I say, talks about how, like, last week, Von Wagner put Braun Breaker through a table. So, like, careful what you're saying about everybody in this locker room supposedly being soft. Um, at this point, Baron Corbin has noticed that Von Wagner hasn't said a word. Uh, I have too, quite honestly. Like, I live for that man's uh, eulogies on a weekly basis on NXT. <laughs> and uh, he said, look, you're going to have to learn to do this. That's a part of this business, kid. You know, business requires guys to go out there and speak to make an impact. That's how you get to interact with a rock in front of four million people. I was like, I'll, I'll remember that episode of SmackDown, Baron. I'm not sure about your logic there, mate, but okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Um, if you can't speak up, if you can't sort of make yourself heard, the only way you'll get um, on television when uh, when the big boys come around is by standing there with your arms folded wearing a security T-shirt, which of course he did yeah. on that SmackDown once upon a time. And it's that, you know, a time on a tradition of the local guys getting to yeah. have their first guest spot. Uh, so Wagner takes the mic. <laughs> maybe I haven't talked a lot, <laughs> but maybe you talk too damn much. I bit of friendship with Mr. Stone and his fancy lingo. I, I, I beg your pardon, you've li- who taught you that word? Like, this is a man that speaks only in, li- in like literal phrases. This is a man that will only acknowledge the thing right in front of him, and somebody's, ta- somebody's getting to him. Lingo, like, that is not a literal representation. Fancy lingo means saying big words. <laughs> yeah. Bron- and Von didn't even clarify that. I was blown away. Like, already promo of the year. <laughs> Pipe bomb. Next week, you can come out with one of your ten gimmicks. Happy Corbin, sad Corbin, bum-ass Corbin. I ain't going to burn the ships down, Corbin. I don't even remember your other eight gimmicks because they all suck. Favourite bit of that is that it adds up to 12 gimmicks. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, that is 12. I thought I said 10. His, his voice almost going at suck. Suck. <laughs> was great. I was like, you having your big moment, Von? Go on, go on, son. Like cheering when I have kids playing football or something. Next week at Heatwave. I got a reservation for one. Takes a beat. Uh, and a table for one. <laughs> and your bald-headed ass is going to get tabled. Because you see, Phil, when people say a reservation for one, that often yeah. means like, oh, a dinner booking. But I get it, yeah. Because Von, No, you don't. Because oh, Von oh, Wagner sorry. puts people through tables. Yeah. When he says reservation for one, he means that he's going to put them through a table. And in case you didn't get it, which obviously you didn't, Vaughn made it clear by saying, a table for one, and your bald <laughs> ass is going to get tabled. Uh, and he does that. He tries to put them through the announce he table. It's, everyone's going nuts. Like, I told you this Von Wagner baby. Like, people <laughs> love him, right? Uh, but they do the old sort of pull apart thing. The, uh, the, fan, the security all come out and separate them, get them to one side. Um, and then later on, <laughs> wasn't like uh, I'll see if I've got this in my notes, but um, I'm sure there was a point where uh, I can't remember if I wrote this down or not. Yeah, so like Baron Corbin is suddenly backstage alone again in the office. Yeah, uh, in the office, excuse me, in the backstage area, and like Bron Breaker rocks up and he's like, oh, "Soft are we? Like <laughs> I'm not done with Von Wagner either." Um, 
So, you know, I just think it's pretty interesting, right, what's going on here. And Corbin's like, well, I'll tell you what's interesting. Put you through a table. He couldn't do that to me. And obviously Corbin and Von Wagner is set for Heatwave and Braun seemingly is kind of beefing with both of them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I like Baron Corbin. I like this version of Baron Corbin. Yeah. I think it's quite entertaining him playing the sort of grizzled veteran who is now doing like insider terms. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole, like, oh, you got to learn how to talk on the stick like <laughs> and stuff, like using insider terms that we all know. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's like a brief look behind the curtain kind of thing. And the whole like talking about the security thing, you know, you would be on that. Yeah. Like, I love it that it's the idea of Baron Corbin who's like, been everywhere, seen everything, been to the top of the goddamn uh, world and come back to teach you kids. I've been in this business 50 <laughs> years. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, he bought me a pint once, didn't he? He's, he's a nice yeah, ass. I nice bought him one back. like he's him. Nice yeah. Um, what was your take on Von Wagner in general? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, I think I, like, I watched the first episode of NXT 2.0. Was he on that or yep. something? I remember mm-hmm. that. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly's mate yeah, before he turned on him, yeah. The odd clips of him. He, yeah, if mum always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say nothing. Wow. <laughs> we'll move swiftly on. Uh, oh, God, right. Again, like, we're going to bounce around a little bit because this it was another case of one video sets something up, one video pays yeah. it off. I, also, I do like the idea of Baron Coleman also doing this character of the grizzled vet who's, like, been everywhere, comes down to be with you kids, and then just, like completely outshining the people he's probably supposed to be yeah. teaching and getting over and like purposefully showing how much more confident and stuff he is on things than they are than they could ever be at this point in their careers it's not like their fault they just no the it's just time. where they are in the developmental ladder yeah being like using him as a guy to like get these guys over and teach teach them and help bring them up but also by like massively belittling <laughs> again very WWE that isn't it yeah. um we had Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio who uh, last week uh, we had um, Dominic Mysterio defending successfully the North American title over Dragon Lee, which resulted in a pull apart afterwards. And Lyra Valkyrie, a bird person. I think I, where are Lyra Valkyrie's NXT law? Nope. She's a bird person, Phil. Um, okay. Yep, she said she was a bird. Uh, oh, an actual bird person, not a just a person who likes birds. No, no, no. Yeah, a they're not, not like a bird aficionado, like actual physical properties of a bird. Like Dean, um, always sunny. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Only, unfortunately, like, unable to fly. Um, and, like, less obnoxious than D from It's Always Sunny. Um, but just as sweet. But uh, anyway, like, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio are basically want to challenge Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria to a match at Heatwave next week. And later on in the show, uh, Lyra Valkyria and Dragon Lee uh, are ready to take on the challenge, but we get what the gist of all of this is going to be. Obviously, Rhea and Dom now, they've been together for a year. Judgment Day are as tight as ever. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. And uh, they've got... You know, they're completely and utterly on the same page. They can just read each other's minds. Whereas, wouldn't you believe it, Lyra Valkyria and Dragon Lee Phil are from different countries. <laughs> so, they uh, speak slightly different oh languages. God. There's a point where, um, like, Lyra Valkyria says, like, we need to be completely in sync. And then Lee's like, no, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. And Lyra Valkyria's like, that wasn't what I was saying. Why is this so weird? And then, like, she also mentions, like, something about what they can do afterwards. And Dragon Lee thinks he hears the word taco. And she's like, no, no, I didn't say that. That's a food from one country. And I was talking about one from another country. We're different people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, but they say they're going to bond eventually and they'll beat the Judgment Day heat wave next week. Like, yeah. the match, like, it's not bad. Like there's no. there's the there's the pieces on the board here for a half decent match, and like the feud's been reasonably well built up. But I just I don't need my 
like language barrier stuff quite as on the nose as what we got here. No, I mean, a uh, Dragon Lee dive through the ropes onto Dominic Mysterio would be absolutely hilarious. Exactly. Uh, but the whole, oh, we speak different languages, they're both literally speaking really good English. Yeah. If they just stick to that, they'll be absolutely fine. They will do all right, like, won't they? they were doing it in yeah. the promo. They both speak really good English. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't have to speak the other languages that the other person doesn't understand. They have a language that they both understand. And they've all got the language, the language of combat. <laughs> exactly. It's a wrestling company. Language of wrestling. Indeed. Um, speaking of Dominic Mysterio, somebody that's not happy with Dominic Mysterio is Mustafa Ali. Um, Mustafa Ali, I should say. He addresses... Um, uh, a series of people that you can't see off screen, but from a podium. It's very much like set up like a um, a political rally. Mm-hmm. He's in a suit. He's uh, it's all very uh, firebrandy. He's banging the fist on the desk. But the lighting, the sound direction, the music, it's all played kind of like a comic book villain, yeah. like a um, like maybe like a mayor that's kind of gone rogue and gone a little bit out of control. But nonetheless, he wants to win the North American title back because right now it's in the hands of a convicted criminal. In Dominic Mysterio, he says that you, the people, deserve better. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. He's the North American champion that you people need. And in Ali, you can trust. And then these flags and banners, which look like that of a supervillain, yep. with a new Mustafar Ali logo drop down. Um, pretty sinister and kind of effective. Definitely sinister. But, like, I think me and you have very different takes on this because Mustafar Ali has had 28 gimmicks in yep. the three weeks that he's been in NXT. I literally wrote down, how many gimmicks have Ali had? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, my God. Like... This is his thing, like this week, apparently, <laughs> yeah. slightly sinister political figure. And presumably, he's at least got to lose to Dominic in the like the first version of this character yeah. before he leans in on being a bigger heel, because this was heel stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, if this was any kind of babyface stuff, they've got the entire graphics and <laughs> the tone. completely backwards. Uh, it is ludicrous. Like, he... The one thing you can say about Ali is whatever he's given, he will put his all into. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah. the actual promo itself, like, he leaned into it as heavily as he possibly could. I bought could. it, yeah. And it's with all of these things, whether it's retribution, whether mm-hmm. it's um, 
God knows what else he, he did. He stole our kayfabe news style video. <laughs> yeah, he did. He was down, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, that goddamn <laughs> infringement. Um, but like he throws himself into it. Like the hacker guy, that was the other thing yeah. I was thinking. Positive Ali. Positive Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, even just him being himself. Like that was great too. Remember that? There's like a Stone Cold Steve Austin week where he was decking Seth Rollins from the crowd. <laughs> and they just dropped so it bizarre. cold. Yeah. All over the goddamn place. But he will throw himself into it mm-hmm. and desperately try and make whatever it is they give him work. Yeah. Uh, and like it, this shines through in this. Like it, whether it's his idea or not, who the hell knows? But he's at least going to go all out and give it, a, give it the old college try. Yeah. It's um, it's weird, isn't it? He's one of the guys now. There used to be so many of these people, and there's less, I would say, in the Triple H era of yeah. WWE brackets general. But the whole trick was to just try and elevate miserable, bad material. Yeah. This wasn't even terrible material, and work had clearly been done on it. But it's still, like, old adage that I've always liked with my wrestling is that, like, gimmicks sell T-shirts, characters sell tickets. Yeah. Is he, and NXT has this problem all the time, is he a politician or a wrestler who wants to use the evil of politics to succeed. Yes. That's the difference between, like, is Duke Drossy a literal bin man, or is the hard graft of a day on the dust giving him the grit and steel to be a wrestler? Yeah. Well, it turned out he was a, a shoot bin man. That's the problem. <laughs> like, you can be anything, like, but really, it's suppo- like, wrestler is supposed to be your job, and it's the characteristics that you've maybe taken on. Yeah. And WWE has had this lifetime problem. Yeah. Like, IRS didn't, like do his tax stuff in the office to like make his headlock matches any more entertaining <laughs> he just cared about people paying tax yeah. it's like right no that's that's never going to yeah. make him a world champion it's like the Sami Zayn thing in terms of like people being given whatever and you making the goddamn most out yeah. of it he, he is one that has made a, an entire career out of it and look where he is now but like his like conspiracy theory thing is like that's wouldn't it be funny if you're a conspiracy theorist but that was always informing the wrestling he was using the conspiracy theories yeah. to get him more into the wrestling thing because that was the thing that came first it's like unraveling to the point where these idiots from Jack Cass are getting under his skin. Yeah. At least to a WrestleMania program where he's like, Am I going insane? Or am I gonna have to wrestle these mousetrap guys? And then he loses that match and he's at rock bottom. So what does the rock bottom conspiracy theorist Jackass guy do? He turns to Roman Reigns to try and crawl his way all back to the top and suddenly yeah. and everything follows. Like know, it never didn't make sense from one thing to he wasn't just Michael Moore making a documentary and yeah. he just films people with a camera now. It exactly, was never yeah. just that, was it, you know? Aye. So we'll see which one yeah. this is. I mean, you never know which six, way it's gonna go. So it's, like, the bizarre thing with Mustafa Ali is the amount of things they've thrown at the wall with him, the amount of things they've tried. Mm-hmm. The one thing that worked that was doing really well until he got injured and then like Kofi Mania took over yep. was pretty much him being himself. Good wrestler. And that is like <laughs> great wrestler, passionate, like kind of baby face, mm. chip on his shoulder guy. Yeah. Classic wrestling trope that just works because he was a charismatic guy with it. Yeah. Good looking, good in the ring. Yeah. And like flashy. That's, that's the one thing they've never gone back to. Yeah. <laughs> like they've tried everything else except for the thing that was working, mm-hmm. that was gearing him up towards a massive WrestleMania push before he got injured. Yeah. I think I wonder, I do wonder if like they kind of look back on that and think, uh, was that just because he was working with Brian? And they probably like, <laughs> thought, like, nobody else can bring that out of him. And I was like, there probably is somebody, a few <laughs> yeah. people that can. You've assembled this incredible roster. Um, look, from one of uh, Mustafa Ali's colleagues, um, trying to escape from dreadful gimmicks. We go to Dijak. Sorry, can we talk about Booker T's reaction to the M- Mustafa Ali's Oh, Jesus well? Christ. <laughs> Commentary. It's all, it's all he could talk about. That was so moving. He's, he does that like, <laughs> oh my God. We kind of, we've made a point of doing this every week. Um, I, I, I wouldn't dream of like trying to like follow Wilborn with all the bits that we've got on this show. <laughs> but he's made a point of like, at what point now 
does Vic Joseph look like he's completely lost it? Or sound like he's completely <laughs> lost it? And it was here, wasn't it? Yeah. Like he I, just wanted to get on with talking about the next match, but nope. I can't get over that film we've just seen. Like that was him, unironically <laughs> doing the cinema. It wasn't it? Yeah. Did you see that film? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it, man. What's so just mo- use the word moving, moving so many times? So moving. <laughs> oh my god! Like, is it is the idea maybe that like Moose Fartley? This was like you know those. Um, uh, the only example I can think of is in The Incredibles, but there'll be more. You know those, like, political figures that hypnotise people through the screen? Yeah. Is this yeah. what's happening? And, yeah. like, Booker T is, like, Moose Fartley's first acolyte. <laughs> and he's, like, the first one to be, like, drawn in by, like, he saw something there. There was It wasn't what Ali was saying. It was the space between the words. Yeah. And he's just been hypnotised. And, and if you slow it down and play it backwards, it says, join me in my cult <laughs> or something like that. We've already got one of them on NXT, so it can't be yeah. that. Um, but it is indeed Dijak and Wesley. Yeah, we'll try and concentrate on the match, even if Booker T can't. Um, they'd had a, you know, we were talking yesterday about like kind of, they both found a bit of critical acclaim in NXT. Some of that was against each other. I think it was back at Vengeance Day this year, they had a match that actually broke through that NXT's complete lack of cultural penetration and got people talking. It was really super hard hitting, super physical for then the North American title, then held by Wesley. So they're going again. It wasn't quite that, if we're honest, but it was um, comfortably the best match on the night. Um, Dijak was basically constantly trying to work the arm uh, for two reasons, really, because not only does, you know, whenever you sort of take a body part from a guy that likes to move quickly and fly around, whether it's a leg, whether it's an arm, whether it's the neck, whatever, that's going to hamper their ability to get about the ring. But especially because um, Wesley's got the cardiac kick, which requires the springs off the arm and... Dijak suffered from that in the past, so he kind of works and works and works that arm. Conversely, uh, Wesley every now and then is like trying to fire back on the on the on the defense with pot shots at Dijak's leg. Yeah. So for the most part, Dijak's working the arm, and then every now and then you'll see Lee try and fight back with the leg. But Dijak looks in complete control until uh, Lee manages to like flip out of a Dijak hold with like a desperation DDT. Um, he. Um, like, is blocking Dijak's big power offense. He's going for, like, his big clotheslines and big boots. Um, but then, um, get, and gets him up almost for a power bomb. but Lee pulls him right back down with the arm again. So you're seeing Wesley trying to hit these big moves, these desperation attacks, and every single time it's back to the arm, back to the arm. Um, Wesley, yet again, escapes and then goes for the cardiac kick, but the arm gives out halfway through. So Dijak spies the opportunity. He goes for the fissure rise, but then his knee gives oh, out from no. the little bit of work that's been being done to that. Um, so he's trying to shake that off. He's able to hit high justice because obviously requires less, must require less weight on the knee, but that only gets two, and he's still selling the pain in his leg. Um, and then they go to the floor where Dijak clears the barricade with Wesley. Wesley has just disappeared from view, at which point... Eddie Thorpe appears on the scene. He's not doing much, but he's sort of giving Dijak the eyes. Um, Dijak goes for Eddie Thorpe, not the other way around, because then that would obviously be a disqualification. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, Eddie Thorpe moves out the way. That leaves Dijak prone, and Wesley appears back from the crowd and does a big dive off the barricade back onto Dijak, who is obviously totally rattled by the... They go back into the ring. Uh, Sorry, he catches them with a Hurricane Rana, which sends Dijak into the steps. So he's, like, heads everywhere at this point. He gets back into the ring... Uh, Wesley hits the cardiac kick and the spiral tap, which does in Dijak for the win. Um, everyone's really buzzing. Wesley's got his title shot, a big moment, and Dijak presumably has a new enemy now in Eddie Thorpe. Yeah, I really like this. I thought yeah. it was really good. Sort of TV match fair. Um, the what was it? The high justice is that the like choke slam, pa- choke yeah. slam bomb yeah. thing that looked great because he did it on one leg. Yeah, so it's, it, like it really trying stood to avoid, out. Yeah, yeah, using the leg and it just looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. There was like a DDT in there halfway through that looked absolutely sick as well. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I just it was just good, solid in ring stuff. 
Um, I quite enjoyed it. They're laying, like, don't they? They've got like quite yeah, good. Yeah. I think they've what they've uh, they showed us in the first match, but they've got a lot of that kind of physical chemistry where neither of them look like they're working stiff or working snook, yeah. but they just their bodies have that good physical chemistry. The DDT is a good example of this when you really feel somebody getting drilled. Yeah. Some people's body shapes just fit that better than others. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like pretty big guy in. Um, What's his name? Uh, Dijak. Dijak. Donovan Dickhead. Completely <laughs> <laughs> blanked on his name then. Like, it, it works in that kind of style as well when you sort of yeah. that kind of stuff. It like, looked really good. He's it. had a, a kind of a very quiet, um, like, career-saving run here yeah. as Dijak. It's a silly gimmick. Yeah. But I enjoy his entrance. Yeah, it's... The, like, uh, mean streets and it's the black s- and white. It's a proper throwback. That's it. It's so stupid. Again, gimmicks versus characters. Yeah. It's so stupid if it's a gimmick and yeah. he legitimately thinks that, like, he is a Terminator and once he puts sunglasses on, he can see, <laughs> like... It, boop, 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 boop. But the reality is it's more just, like, how it informs his bad attitude yeah. and that is what you can then transfer into the matches itself. I don't know if, what it is about this version of Dijak as well. Just the look that he has. Just, mm. I desperately want, like... WCW Alex Wright to come be his manager or something. <laughs> <laughs> start some kind of techno group. <laughs> oh no, we can't. You're getting dancing, man. Like the, power- just, the luck is so perfect like, for it. I really, really want it. Some bring back some Alex Wright techno techno German can dancing. We, can we compromise and just put like keep Daniel Garcia in a leather jacket and have Alex Wright come out and help him like learn a few <laughs> new dance moves and he can do that nice sprinkler one. Again, to do. Um, I know my fun Alex Wright fact. You probably yeah. know this because you know everything. Uh, but Alex Wright trained Giovanni Vinci. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. that's a good fact. My, I like my, that. My, my fun fun Alex Wright fact for the day. I can, in terms <laughs> in terms of like what have I that like when somebody tells me something like that, I didn't know my default trivia brain is like I need to offer something in return. It feels <laughs> like it's a trade offer. And all I've got, I was like, where did my brain? This is where my brain went. Honestly, this I'm thank God I work here because I'm useless as a human being <laughs> other than exact moments like this. Dancing WCW wrestlers, Disco Inferno. Do you know Disco Inferno trained? <laughs> go on. Bit telling this. Carrying cross. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yeah. It all checks out. <laughs> yeah, math, math checks out. Um Tyler Bate is uh, being interviewed, but we get a hack by NXT Anonymous. I didn't tell you about NXT Anonymous, did you I? Didn't. It's a GTV. Yeah. Basically. Did, yeah. That everybody is absolutely fine with. Like <laughs> this hidden camera from a really shady angle, it always catches stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Like, in this case, it was Tyler Bate and uh, Joe Coffey from uh, an NXT house show over the weekend, and there was a bit of, like, um, you know, like, looked like it was going to get a bit of edgy. Of course, it did Gallus are there. They would make things edgy. The, yeah. the last people you want to arrive anywhere, arrive somewhere, and the mood goes down. That's the Gallus gimmick, right? But, yeah, Tyler Bate's like, yeah, yeah I was there. That definitely did happen. Thanks, NXT Anonymous. Like, do I get any kind of, like, do I get to sign off on that footage or what now? Uh, but he's like, apparently, um, t- Tyler Bate is armed with this. He was like, yeah, yeah, I know why that is. Here's this, like, long bit of exposition. Um, right, so I- I'm going to need your help here, Phil. Okay. So he- Tyler Bate explained that, like, there's always been a bit of bad blood between Gallus and Tyler Bate, and Joe Coffey especially. Yeah. Because they had fought, they'd had wars in tags and singles on, I'm going to get the initials right of this. He said like, he just said like five letters. It was weird. So he said that they had had like a feud on uh, NXT UK. Or is it Nickstuck? Like, nah, it doesn't ring a bell. I could, I, like what is, I'm going to need NXT Anonymous to show me this footage. Yeah. Because I can't, <clears> I have yeah, no I've recollection no of it. No, no I just, I, well. it was just on the off chance. Yeah. No, nothing. No. Nothing to me either. Nothing. Um, but uh, like, apparently, there was some after ICW, is that? Possibly. Or WCP. 
Uh, oh, WCPW would have never booked something that crap. No, um, <laughs> anyway, so apparently in this in this feud that they've imagined, there's uh, been a, there's been previous between them, so there's going to be afters tonight, uh, and they're in action next. So what's we, uh, Tyler Serenity gimmick? What's what's this? Is he enlightened now? Yeah, they did what it. What happened here? He was a hippie. Well, he is, I guess. Like this. <laughs> you know what you just what's his enlightened gimmick? Well, Phil, he's enlightened. <laughs> like it's like it's often that one di- that one dimension you've observed on NXT is the one dimension. Like uh, there was a few weeks where like you'd, you'd see him backstage and he'd be meditating, but it'd be in that very like you know like in the eighties when meditation was a bit new, so people yeah. took the piss out of it. And, yeah, like, um, and all of that. Like you, there couldn't possibly be like an earnest quality to this that might help people. No, it's like weird and stupid. Yeah, aye. Yeah. So that's what right. he is. Okay. Yeah. That, that's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> Does it? But I appreciate that all the same. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's Joe Coffey and Tyler Bate. Um, uh, you would pick the oh, one God. bloody NXT episode for me to review with Joe Coffey on it. I know, man. Well, no, I, like, so I don't know quite how two-footed I can go in now. <laughs> Joe Coffey on this podcast. Oh, going two-fisted. Um, <laughs> Joe Coffey. Ah, Joe Coffey. Joke. This was a Joe Coffey. Coffey. Yeah, this was a Joe Coffey match, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, not a lot went down. They, they, like I'll, I'll be nice. Bait and Joe Coffey are two of those wrestlers. <laughs> it's me over here. I guess the audience might want you to. Be. The, there might be a Joe Coffey out, fan out there somewhere. It's never been heard of. Maybe. If they've you obviously are, no, they've Twitter. obviously got that wrestle in their sleep chemistry. Yeah. You know, they would have come up oh, together. Yeah, they would have trained together. They can do this like eyes closed. That whole deal. And as a result, it's like perfectly functional stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a reasonable form on that like coffee. Yeah, it's German fine. Suplex, I could have you know, stood like there the before between this match and gone, this will be what this match is. And yeah. it was exactly that. Apart from the finish, I wouldn't have booked that because that's different. I don't know if like, you know, like, <laughs> so when like you whinge, for example, about the pretty shoddy booking of the biggest wrestling show ever. Yeah. And like some of our American friends, I use the friend a bit loosely there. <laughs> <laughs> whinging Brits, you know, like, because we have lived a different wrestling experience all these years. We've watched it at stupid hours in the morning. We've yeah. just like maybe not necessarily had... As many relatable figures in the years of there being all American heroes and stuff, it's it's the same but different. Like being from the UK, and I think like Canadians would have a different one, and then and so and so and so on. Um, it doesn't get talked about enough that the quote unquote British style isn't necessarily for like it's not for us. Like, yeah. I don't I don't claim <laughs> boring British grapple. Like I don't I'll claim the good stuff. Yeah. Like I'll take a Zack Saber Jr. Yeah. Like I wish you remembered his Twitter password. But like I will claim his matches. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's an adaptation of the style like that has been brought forward in uh, the twenty first century. Yeah. This is just drab. Yeah. Like I don't I don't want rounds. I don't want William Regal. Like, <laughs> just, anyway. Um so I it's it's going along in the, in that specific style. Um it's every match both of them have ever done. Kind of like, and Bate has obviously got he's these very m- talented guy. Yeah, he's Let's got not forget about that. He he's got special stuff talented, in him, and yeah. I think just sometimes he knows he doesn't have to. So why yeah. would you? And fine, but like uh, he hits coffee with a dive. Maybe <laughs> not so much. Yeah, no, absolutely not so much. He hits um, Joe Coffee with a dive. I should point out that Gallus have been ejected, so like it's just going to be one on one. Or is it? Oh, because you know when Dabakato said he was coming soon, he meant right now. Phil. He meant right now. He comes or as out. Booker T would call it Dababakaba Potato. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um, he runs in. He's a monster, Dabakato, right? And he runs in with a blow that could generously be described as glancing. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I believe that this boot was in the same postcode as Tyler Bate, if Tyler Bate still has his UK postcode. Yeah, it was very Hulk Hogan. He, uh, he wishes. <laughs> like, so this, he kind of runs in with his foot up in the air, and it might at some point have created enough of a breeze that Tyler Bate goes down. The match is thrown out, but Dabakato doesn't go for Joe Coffrey. He goes for Tyler Bate. He decimates him, hits the tree slam. You know, that kind of safe big move that's yeah. given to Monsters. And I say that as one of the great Carly's biggest fans. Um, but yeah, Dabakato beats him down and he's going to dominate, I guess, in NXT. Yeah, whatever. This was like a really underwhelming monster beatdown, wasn't it? Yeah, it uh, really didn't last that long either in terms of making an impact. No. It was just like a couple of moves and then, yeah, right, standing tall. Let's move on to the next thing. I guess like Tyler Bate has now got to try and... Topple Dabakate. Oh, no. And like, you know, we say about like Mustafa Ali having loads of different gimmicks and like Baron Corbin having loads of different gimmicks. Typically, it's because like why we remember these or why we kind of draw attention to it is because it's like, oh, they've had some success in this or they've managed to get something over that was kind of fundamentally rubbish or something. Yeah. Dabakato's had a few rolls of the dice now and it's never really taken. No, not at all. This might be the last one. I don't, I don't wish for anybody to get fired. No, no, no. But it's just one of them things where like something eventually has got to take. Yeah. I, and I don't know Before if this, it's like, uh, okay. This didn't feel new or fresh. No. It just felt like what he'd been before. He doesn't yeah. even feel like a gimmick change or anything. Maybe when he cuts a promo about it, he'll have some big reason that's the whole thing. Like, maybe he's a bin man now. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that should be in the bin, and indeed gimmick Joe changes. Coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when was the last time, Phil, you saw Nathan Frazier? And were you quite ready for his John Oliver home, hard-hitting home truth segment on this show? <laughs> because I didn't mention that to you yesterday, because we thought this had been binned. Okay. There hasn't been this for a while. There was a few of these, and we're like, oh, he's John Oliver now. This is what yeah. I'm on about. He's a late night host. What's that got to do with his cool aerial offense? Yeah. Shut up, he's a late night host. <laughs> That's the answer when we ask the question. I've got some product production questions about this one. I'm not going to lie. Well, uh, let me review, and then I, <laughs> I am all ears for that because I think there's a few pretty big fundamental flaws with this whole deal. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the return of hard hitting home trees. Nathan Frazier's doing his uh, talk show host bit, and he's on about the uh, Heritage Cup match he's got with Noam Dar. Um, but Noam Dar hacks into the feed and turns Alicia into... Alicia Ah, oh, what a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> Which presumably he's trying to... I think to that's resp- the last of Noam Dar thing I've seen. Well, <laughs> welcome to the world of the metaphor, Phil. Um, because uh, it was a Supernova Sessions, uh, and obviously Dar's talking about how great he is. The Did you understand what was going on with the Heritage Cup? Not a goddamn... I, I kind of guessed he somehow right. thought he should probably have won it, so made his own one or something. You're, bizarrely, you're not even close. Okay. Right. Noam Dar was the legit Heritage Cup, right? The Heritage Cup apparently was this thing that was fought for on that Nukstuk brand. Weird. Yeah, don't know. They, they imagined yeah. it. They imagined a tournament. I remember the, like, UK Cup thing that was in Blackpool. I remember yeah. that was definitely a thing. That was definitely a thing. Yeah, apparently that, like, they must have more no, Not that afterwards. one, then. But there was a Heritage Cup tournament that Noam Dar won, and then nobody did anything for, like, two years. And then Noam Dar came to NXT with the Heritage Cup, and he... Um, was due to defend it um, against Nathan Frazier, but Nathan Frazier, uh, Noam Dar got injured and said, Aura Mensa, from the metaphor, you defend it, and he lost. So Nathan Frazier became the Heritage Cup champion, even though he didn't really beat the Heritage Cup. Winner, okay. Right? But that, that was, it was a, you know, a stipulated title like the defense of the Heritage money Cup. In the bank. Kind of, yeah. But he won, the, he won the Heritage Cup, and that was that. Um, Noam Dar was like, no, you didn't. I'm still a Heritage Cup champion. Here's my pretender. I've had a second Heritage Cup made. Yeah. Because it's not about the uh, prize, it's about the physical trophy. I've got it. Uh, and then he and then he lost it to Tyler Bate last week. <laughs> okay. Right? Last week, he lost it to Tyler Bate. 
why did he lose it to Tyler Bate, you're probably wondering, so that Tyler Bate could Tyler go backstage. Bate was so serene and enlightened that the cup just kind of floated over to him. No, Phil. <laughs> That's a dumb thing. Why would, you, <laughs> why would you say such a dumb thing? Let me explain the cinema to you. No, Phil. He lost it to Tyler Bate. So Tyler Bate could go backstage, look at Nathan Frazier, also holding the Heritage Cup, and the two men could do the Spider-Man meme. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh, yep. Why would you try and come up with some character <laughs> stuff? What do you think this is, right? Then, then, Noam Dar was like, can I have it back? <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler Bate was, and Nathan Frazier was like, well, it's, it's pretty meaningless, mate. And like, Tyler Bate was like, actually, yeah, it's meaningless. You can have it back. So he'd won it off Noam Dar, but he was like, yeah, fine. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> trash. And then turns to Nathan Frazier, like, you owe me one for that. It's like, all right. So, like, they've got to have a match for the real one down the line. But in the meantime, oh, yep. Noam Dar is like, no, this is the real one. But nonetheless, he wants that one back, I guess, because he just wants two, not because yeah, he Nathan Frazier's got the real one. The collection, yeah. Clearly. Simple, logical story beats. So all of that complete nonsense at least does make a tiny bit of sense off the gag that was to follow later on, which is that yeah. the more crap Noam Dar speaks, the more Nathan Frazier, he's got, he's a talk show with a funny. What kind of hack host would use funny buttons for? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, I'm ones. glad it was that nice one. ones to smash. <laughs> oh, that's the song. Good. Oh, yeah. No, dear, that's wrong. That uh, well, was wrong. It's <laughs> not wrestling culture. Anyway, yeah, we're not the kind of hacks that would use buttons. <laughs> that would be stupid. <laughs> that would be dumb. Who does that? Well, we would, but we've use... got no one here that would do that. It's different between us. We've got multiple buttons. <laughs> Frazier's only got one, and it yeah. says fraud. And he keeps it in fraud every time that um, Noam Dar lies. You've seen the bit. It's the Mo Simpson lie detector test yeah. about that then became the Vince McMahon, Mr. America lie detector test, where it starts off with big lies, fraud, fraud, fraud. But then it might be Noam Dar saying, like, well, I guess I'll just go and relax in my stunning home. Fraud. Yeah. Like, everything he's saying is bollocks, basically. Fraud, 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 fraud. Noam Dar goes crazy with it, and we're going to have um, the proper Heritage Cup match. Nathan Frazier, Noam Dar, heat wave next week. I gladly welcome both your critical analysis of this and your <laughs> and your production notes. I am all ears. I don't know if I have any critical analysis <laughs> other than what the goddamn hell. Yeah. Like, okay, coming in cold. Like, some people will tune into a TV show and it'll be the first time they've ever watched that TV show. Yeah. And they'll need something, at least, of, like, uh, a context mm-hmm. or not exposition, but, like, something that will help them figure out what's going on. Yeah. Like, it might take a couple of episodes, but you'll be like, you're not completely lost and just staring at something going, what the actual flip is happening? <laughs> yeah. And th- that was this. Uh-huh. I d- had no goddamn clue what this was supposed <laughs> to be. I have no idea what it was supposed to be getting across. Mm-hmm. It was very, very confusing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very confusing story. Uh, and as, yeah, if like, literally, as first-time viewer kind of thing, you can tune in, you click on that, you would switch off because mm-hmm. it would just be like, this is stupid. I'm going to go now. Yeah, uh, and that's probably the best critical analysis of it. That I was Phil do. Chambers' hard-hitting home truth. <laughs> In terms of yeah. the production notes of just stupid stuff, uh, I I get that it's kind of funny that it looks a bit crap, mm-hmm. th- and that's kind of the joke, I guess, is that it looks a bit crap. I'm not sure it is but the joke, but I think put, that's nice of you. <laughs> put, well, yeah, that was kind of what I was. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, like, whatever. <laughs> but it was, they put too much effort into it mm-hmm. for it to be crap and have that as the joke. Yeah. Like, there's some things in there. Like, there's loads of graphics that all look like a bag of poo. (laughs) Uh, And there's, like, the reflection of his body on the the desk and stuff. Like, there's effort that has been put in to creating this. And I don't know how someone puts effort into creating something that looks so bad. 
That's great. It is awful. What a dig. It is so bad. This the is, worst thing is is that you actually tried. You actually tried, yeah. yeah. That is by far the worst thing. If this was literally like a still like PNG of a really crappy desk yeah. or, and like set, that would be better because it would look... Sorry, I saw. That's fine. Uh, I just couldn't help myself. Uh, I'll write that down. It would look rubbish, but like it would be funny rubbish and it's just like him going, oh, I don't really care, but here's my talk show kind of thing mm-hmm. like that that's one way to go or you make it look really good and like pretend like this is a proper talk show you don't do the middle bit because the middle bit isn't funny and doesn't look good like in any way shape or form so yeah there was way too much effort to put in to, for this to look this bad there was he's, you can see his knees this is a stupid production thing of like you can see his knees behind the desk yeah it's a desk knees go underneath the desk yeah so it looks like he's sat in like a child's playhouse <laughs> Like one of those tiny little tables that like kids would have a little tea party on. Because his knees... now I'm remembering what NXT UK was. Because <laughs> yeah. his knees go up to the table, so it's. But he was also so positioned, so it's like he's underneath the table. So like the perspective is so incredibly wrong. Yeah. That it doesn't make any sense. The like gray graphics are just like the most unimaginative, terrible looking thing in the world. The fonts packages i can like they've just gone to a website called video hive where you can just buy <laughs> built-in um font wow. packages and they've just gone that one bought it for 39 dollars and put it on the thing i can almost guarantee that that's what they did if you gave me some time i could probably find the exact package that they bought on video oh hive to do this this is wwe the company that produces wrestlemania mm-hmm. like they have like floating cameras in eighty thousand seat stadiums like they did the drone shots in um, Backlash. Yeah, uh, they have do these incredible emotional video packages building up to these matches. They are really good at this, really, really good at this. And then they come out with this. <laughs> NXT needs a police character because Phil James has just committed a murder, <laughs> a cold-blooded murder. Of, oh. uh, 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 that was a mi- that was a mi- <laughs> I, I, Like I feel sorry for JC Jane Theohill and myself because I don't know how that match or my commentary on it is able to follow that. Quite <laughs> frankly, Phil. Um, the match wasn't much here. Um, JC Jane has, I don't know what you remember of Toxic Attraction, but like she had obviously Mandy Rose uh, was let go late last year and then yeah. she had the feud with Gigi Dolan and she lost the feud as the heel, but has truthfully kind of like come on further than Gigi Dolan since. They've kind of like lost their way with Gigi as a baby face, whereas JC Jane has just like toned down the, like, I'm going to pull every face and just see yeah. which one gets over. And she kind <laughs> of like, by narrowing her scope, it's actually like helped. Yeah. So she kind of like played the quite focused heel here while she felt more of a like thought out together character than yeah. she ever did in in the group yeah that like makes sense well she was kind of the veteran presence here wasn't she because while Thea Hale has been obviously rattled by the recent um, misgivings that she's now got with Andre Chase like JC Jane was just sort of all business wasn't a great deal to the match but you did see um Thea Hale trying to go for the Kimura that she'd learned obviously that was leading into the submission match with mm-hmm. Tiffany Stratton um but JC Jane was able to avoid it nearly with a spine buster and that um, there's a point where she takes the turnbuckle pad off, which brings Andre Chase onto the apron to try and either put it back on or tell the referee, oh, the turnbuckle pad's off, the turnbuckle pad's yeah. off. Uh, and obviously Hale avoids going into the buckle, but at that point she's like, what are you doing here? You're getting back in my business, I don't want you. Which means that Jane can lock her in a small package and get the win. So this was more plot than anything else, yeah. and Jane got to be the kind of the token heel that got to benefit, I guess. Yeah, uh, my main thoughts on this is my god WWE are obsessed with distraction finishes at the minute mm-hmm. <laughs> like they always have been yeah but 
recently they seem to be really going back to that well quite yeah. a lot. And this show was way worse than Raw and SmackDown for it. I, w- I think was the three or four matches on this card where th- that had a sort of distraction finish. Or three that definitely had a distraction finish, and yep. one that had uh, like distraction things in it that mm-hmm. didn't necessarily lead directly to the finish, but was still in the match kind of thing. That's a point. Actually, was there any? Yeah, because you had the Dyad uh, tag title match interference. Yeah, you had the Dana Brooke Bell stuff. Yeah, and if that would definitely class as interference, you had the Dabakato running for the DQ finish. Yeah, you had this. This which and definitely so the only match was Wesley and Dijak for the title shots. So yeah, basically we're telling you this is the match that matters because nobody's getting involved. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and it's yeah, it's just way overused. Yeah. Like one one per show, fine. Like I don't even like I don't mind it as a finish. Mm. It works. Like there's a reason they do it a lot. Yeah, it's an easy storytelling device that you can just get to the next week of whatever that story is quite easily. Mm-hmm. But don't do it this many times. Like no, holy cow. it's an agent in point as well. We said it with AEW. Like it's great that they deliver finishes more than they don't. But if you're just yeah. having run-ins all the time, then you just question the legitimacy of the referees. It's like, yeah, well, how is yeah. it just allowed to go on? Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't talk about these guys yesterday because there was no advertised match, but I'm wondering how much of the gist you got. Um, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza are having uh, difficulties at the moment. And as you could tell, it's because there was a video package yeah. narrated by their granddad. who talks about the importance of family staying together. Um, it's quite nice, this, because you see them obviously wrestling as children. This is a real thing that they're folding into the story. Um, and maybe it's time they like put their differences to one side and go back together. I'm imagining, Phil, as somebody that just knows nothing, that you watch this and thought, ah, I don't know what's going on here, but like they've obviously put the work in to get them back together. Let me tell you, they landed on NXT as a tag team stood on the podium saying, we're going to win the tag battles, lost one match, and split up immediately. <laughs> and there has been more weeks put into the heartfelt emotional reconciliation of these two than the weeks that came before where they split. This, this goes back to my point earlier about WWE production. They can do this. Like yeah. They can take something like that and make a video package where it genuinely feels like this has been weeks of storytelling yeah. that has led into this. Like That package felt like this had been a story that they've been telling for ages mm-hmm. and then you just it break it down like that, that it's was like the build. whole um lead up to the sasha banks bianca belair match at mania like the build itself was massively mad but the yeah. video package was great oh my god by, like just watching the video package and then going straight into the match you're like this is going to be amazing but if you actually watch the build yeah this is a bit mad you're going like i can't believe i'm a part of history and then you're thinking back the last few months you're like i can't believe i'm a part of history <laughs> yeah like they can do this they but can. yeah so yeah that's that's fascinating that i genuinely felt like this had been a story that they've been doing for months yeah, no. I also my favorite part about this is that they go through like all the emotional things like you see the footage of them as kids like rep- wrestling on trampolines and stuff yeah. uh, like the pictures of their family and then right at the end there's like two shots one where one of them wakes up in bed and like looks across to a picture frame and then the next one wakes up in bed and looks across to a picture frame and like my my mind was just like they've gone through this entire thing of oh, it's the family breaking up. Like, how can they, like, get back together? They've been, like, uh, these years and years of history, but then they're just still sharing a bed like Bert and Annie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, really, they're going to they're gonna make this work. They're going yeah. to be all right. Um, Carmelo Hayes, uh, stroke a look this, because we're coming at the end of the broadcast and Carmelo Hayes has finished his signing, which is good yeah, because lucky. as the champion, like, he wouldn't have been on the show if he'd have been signing all these pictures. Terrible planning that would have been on WWE's yeah. part, but now he's finished. Um and Wesley, so the poor fans get having to queue for the signing while and missing the show. Missing, well, I would struck a look to well, be honest. Yeah. Um, Wesley uh, is like, right, go on then you, and uh, they go out. Come to, on, table. Yeah, <laughs> come on, <laughs> is like, see you next Tuesday, yeah. and um, he's like, no, no, right now. He doesn't 
grab Carmelo Hayes, he yeah, grabs the table. table. And like, we're up. Here's a point. Like, well, I love that table. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I was watching that and I was like, where is this going? Like, me, me, and, like, me and that table go back, so yeah. I'm going to have to meet you in the ring I'm now. I'm really glad he came out with that table as yeah. well. Because at least it followed on. If it, like if that was the end of the segment, that would have just been absolutely The little graphic hilarious. comes up and is like, <laughs> see you next table. week. <laughs> There's yeah. a whole adventure of them traveling across <laughs> Florida with a table, table guarding himself off alligators and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, no, but yeah, they do go to the ring. The table is there. Um, get out here, Carmelo Hayes. Um, and uh, aye. Carmelo Hayes um, talks about, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm him now. I'm the guy. Like, sorry, Wesley. Like, you're good, but you're just not as good as me. Um and Lee goes on about all the things that Hayes does as champion and that he wants to do. Yeah, it's all, it's, it's boilerplate, but it's decent enough yeah. world championship build stuff. You're going to um, keep messing around with me and turn me back to the old me. Yeah, he's, he's, if he's going to have to. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips to Spencer Gibberish and another act like they forgot about Hayes. Oh, that's right, I don't think I have to show me how to put beeps in this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it, it's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aye, but, does he always have a thing about quoting song lyrics? Yeah, he's done that previously. Okay, good. Um, well, Phil, can you not go chasing waterfalls with the NXT <laughs> review, please? Can you stick to the rivers and lakes that you used to have, Simon Miller's ups and downs? Uh, because he quoted that one as he well. Did it, yeah. But this was pretty much that. Um, Lee was, um, you know, saying, you know, he was. Uh, people thought I was just a tag wrestler and I've shown that I can be so much more. Um, I became North American champion. Come out of here, didn't beat me for the belt, which is factually correct, you know. Um, and ultimately, Wesley's had the tag, he's had the North American, and there's only one thing left for him to do, which is to become the world champion. But Kamala is like, nah, not him, that's me. See you next week. It was a bit, like, yeah. flat, <laughs> to be fair. Like, I'd, like the, the match, I think they were kind of relying on the match speaking for itself, yeah. and neither man being a heel, and not wanting to be so arrogant in their, yeah. like, bombastic self Grand I what's the word I'm after? Like, you know, they they, they didn't want to put it themselves over so much they came across like heels. Yeah. But as a result, neither of them particularly came across like as convincing faces either. Yeah. It was like two people meeting in a ring, they both say their bit, they both sign a bit of paper. All right, let's let's go. Yeah. Well, they brought a table for us, I suppose, and yeah. Carmelo Hayes has been signing oh. stuff. Signing. I guess, yeah. So I mean, yeah, as far as WWE contract signings go, like I guess it didn't go into your usual tropes, but yeah. Maybe the tropes are uh, tropes for a reason because they get you a bit more excited. <laughs> I love like, this. <laughs> what work Baron, there, Phil? I eviscerated a segment and then made a point about just how much this show went off on a damp script, <laughs> and I wasn't wrong on either count. Baron Corbin and um, Von Wagner yeah. ended in a pull apart brawl. Yeah. This ended up in two people going, Yeah, all right, see you next week. See you there. I'll see you. This is. Like the big match leading into it, and it's like I'll see it work. This is the champion. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can't. I'm not like this. Is it? As much as we love NXT, I will never ever fight for it unless <laughs> yeah. I absolutely feel like I have to, and I definitely don't here. Yeah. But do you, the listeners, uh, think this was more than we're, also, we're giving this credit for? As a uh, ending point, yeah, this is probably this is going to sound like way too much of a compliment for it, right? But it felt to me, anyway, coming back into it from a long time of not yeah, watching, yeah. like really early days like NXT arrival early days of okay, NXT yeah. TV mm-hmm. where it was like you you have some like established people that are going to go out and like do some good stuff but you also see people learning and like yeah it, it, like back then it still wasn't shying away from the fact that it was development this is the point of this TV yes. show it's a development TV show so you had the mix of the two different mm-hmm. things and obviously it led to some incredible things because of the talent they had at that time um but it felt like that in terms of a structure 
I, if that makes I, no, I think and, that's... And it's not felt like that in a really long time. It, this has kind of been the model. It sits... They don't necessarily sit very easily next to each other sometimes. Yeah. And the difference, you're right to point out as well, some of the talents they had then versus they're basically asking the more experienced performance centre guys to bring on the less experienced ones. Yeah. And that model doesn't work anywhere near as well. Yeah. But that is definitely something they've tried to work back to. We're not in the super indie years. And it was that that was acknowledged as kind of like a failing model. Yeah. So it's and I mean, that's not a bad thing. Like I'm not saying that as a bad thing that you're seeing people learn. Like that's, no, that's yeah. literally the point of this mm-hmm. TV show. <laughs> so. I, no, I think that's like it's a worthwhile. But again, as you say, as somebody that switched off from it, yeah, it's a worthwhile thing to bring up, I suppose. Yeah, because um, it definitely went into indie god mode, and then the sort of like the pandemic era thing was still like that. But with yeah, no fans. And it was like, there weren't many people that only had like one page on cage match getting yeah. matches on that. And NXT. then NXT yeah. 2.0 went completely the opposite yes. direction and uh-huh. went way too back to just like new people. Yeah. And so it feels like it's working itself out a little bit more to go full circle back to what NXT started as. I think it's nice to end on credit for the overall thing when there was plenty about the episode that you thought stunk. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just a nice thing to do, yeah. isn't it? Um, because <laughs> fundamentally, I think they are trying to achieve something with this, which for a while just felt like that was long gone. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was NXT, Phil. Thank you so much. For you. That. I don't think you have to do it next week. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it would be. Um, I mean, although it's Heatwave next week. It well, it's it. And all the listeners have to do it next week, whether, like, whether they like it or not. We've found that, you know, fingers crossed, I'll stick with this absolute nonsense and bobbins as much <laughs> as possible. So please stick with us. Thank you very much for this, uh, Phil. And uh, if they want to uh, get more production notes from you Hello. on Twitter, and I think I do, quite frankly, where can they find you? On X. At Fill My Chambers. Um, I'm at Michael Hamflit. We're all at What Culture WWE. Um, thank you for spending your time with us today. The Dynamite Preview with What Culture Gaming's Scott Tailford hey. is already available for you to listen now. He's got some really fascinating thoughts on All In from being outside of our little bubble. Um, and we'll be back, I think, tomorrow to cover Dynamite. Have I asked you yet? I can't remember. A bit of production conversation. Mm, yeah, I think you Yeah, did. we'll do yeah. more. We'll see if we can yeah, fix it. We'll, yeah. we'll be fine. We'll crack I'll Dynamite tomorrow where Kenny Mega will make a huge announcement and we'll all definitely be happy with the outcome. Yep. So, and we'll uh, be... Um, Chainsaws. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett in a chainsaw match. What can possibly go wrong? Um, in the meantime, thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time, we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 